Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 179, Great Characters Make Great Series, an interview with Tom Threadgill, coming to you on Thursday, February 6, 2020. I just finished up more than an hour of riffing with Tom, both of us just kind of going back and forth, bouncing around like pinballs, but not without a purpose. We stayed within the pinball machine of writing, (laughs) and even when our thoughts took us off in crazy directions, eventually we were like, there's a story there. So I think that you're going to find this to be a great fun interview. Tom has done some mentoring for writers, so he's got a lot of tips that he's offering from beginning writers to people in the middle, and it's just a fun interview talking about all the different things having to do with um, writing series, writing a single character in a series, um, his belief that the characters are the ones who really make the story great, Uh, and for all of you who are not not plotters and who the whole idea of plotting seems scary. Tom is 100% a seat of the pants writer. He doesn't even have an idea of where he's going next, if I understood what he was saying correctly. So for all of you who are like, oh, finally, I just want to hear someone like me. Tom's your guy. If you're a pantser, you're going to love this interview. It's going to make you feel like, ah, I'm with my people. In the meantime, at the moment that you're listening to this, I may still be on a train back from Stockholm. Very exciting. This is the first time that I've taken a train. The uh, first time that I went to Stockholm, and I've only been there once, I took a plane. But it occurred to me that the train was going to be way faster because even though a plane takes less time in the air, the amount of time that it takes to get to the airport, get through security, wait at the gate, and then get from the airport to downtown is actually the same amount of time that it takes to be on the train where I can just sit and relax and write or read or nap or <laughs> whatever. So I'm really excited because I have a bunch of things that I have to do on the way to Stockholm, but on the way back, my hope is that I can sit down and work on Love at the Clip and Curl, book two in the Strays of Loon Lake series, which I have recently started and I'm so, so in love with right now. (laughs) Um, Plus, the reason I'm going to Stockholm is because I'm meeting, or at the moment that you're listening, have met with Jennifer Dornbush, who you may remember has been on the show talking about forensics, as she is a writer and forensics expert and Drumroll, please. The first confirmed speaker for the first Right Now Workshop Writers Conference coming to you from Malmö, Sweden in October, October 7th through 11th. Do a save the date on your calendar. It is the first, no, I think um, I think the first or second, something like that, is the uh, first weekend in October. So this is the second weekend in October. And uh, you may have heard me say before, the Wednesday, Thursday portion, is it going to be for people who are looking to have some pre-planned tourist activities? You can just sort of buy that package. And I and some of my um, writer friends here will take you around Malmö and Copenhagen and show you some sites. And then the 9th and 10th, the Friday and Saturday, Saturday is officially the Writers' Conference main portion. Sunday will be another add-on, which will be more of the spiritual, creative, um, you know, in-your-head, in-your-heart aspects of being a writer and coming up with new stories all the time. Plus, I just had an idea today that I should record the podcast live during one of those days of the conference. So I'll do that in one of the evenings. And then I was listening to Mark Dawson and James Blatch as they were bantering about on their show, which, yes, Mark, James, love the banter. Don't stop it. (laughs) And if you listen to their show, you know what that joke is about. Um, But I was listening to them banter about um, different times. Actually, I'd just been listening to so many episodes in a row with the gym. So they were at the Nink conference and talking about having a beer with somebody. And they were at the 20 Books Las Vegas talking about having a beer with somebody and uh, different other times. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we have this great brewery here called Malma Brewery. And it has got delicious craft beer. 
And for people like me who don't really like beer, they also have some amazing sours and ciders. And um, it's just got this fabulous atmosphere. It's kind of dark and wood. And anyway, I was like, oh, should totally take people to that after one of the evenings of the conference. So I have lots of ideas, super excited. It's going to be all about encouraging you, providing you really sound teaching in various uh, categories of mostly fiction, but also some other things. I um, have pretty much confirmed that I will have one person speaking on writing for video games. There are a lot of other things that I want to tell you that may be coming up, but um, I'm just kind of going to space it out a little bit, make sure that things are confirmed. I want this to be the conference that makes you feel like I'm so excited to get home and start writing again, or I'm so excited to get back to my hotel room and start writing again. It's going to be all about positive energy, letting you know that you can do it, and here are the tools to do it. So I hope that you will save the date, October 7th through 11th, 2020. This is a vacation destination writers conference for you. No matter where you are, even if you're someplace in Sweden, Come down to Malma <laughs> and uh, we will have a great time encouraging each other and making sure that our toolbox is getting filled up with more new tools and you will be able to write better books and make you feel more confident and more full of peace and joy about what you do for your creative outlet hopefully than what you've felt in a long time. That's the goal. All right. So without further ado, let me take you to Tom because we had such a great long uh, interview that I don't want to keep you too long with a long, um, I don't know, can you say bantering if you're the only person talking? Do I banter with myself? I think not. I'm sort of bantering with you, but yeah, I don't think that's the right word. I do love talking to you. And um, at some point, you should let me know if you absolutely hate it. Like there is at least one person who hates it on uh, Mark Dawson's show, which is just sort of funny. Again, sorry, you have to be listening to the show to, to know why I'm laughing about this. But, um, but I do love talking to you mostly because my goal for this show, my goal for the Writers Conference, my goal actually within my books, in the books that I write, is to encourage you and make you feel great about what you do, great about who you are, that you are an individual with these fabulous talents that you're working on. Um, Either you've just started or you're in the middle of it. If you're in the middle of it, you might need more encouragement even than if you just started. And that is what I want to be for you. So whatever part of my uh, work life, my creative life that you get involved in, I really hope that uh, you feel me telling you and believing in you that you have got a gift that is going to be a blessing to the world and uh, make you feel like you've really... um, You've really been able to use all of yourself when you get your writing done. Uh, That's certainly how I feel, and I want to make sure that I'm encouraging other people because it's important, and I don't want you to think that it's not important. Other people will tell you it's not, but the fact is they're actually just wrong. I mean, think about the way that books make you feel when you read them, like the really good ones that, that Um, resonate with you. And there's so many great books out there that don't resonate with everybody. I mean, I'm not sure there is a book that resonates with every single person in the whole world, especially as the population grows. I think that's uh, increasingly impossible with 8 billion people. But there are people who are really going to resonate with your story. They want to hear it. They want you to tell it. They want you to tell it well. So that's why I want you to be always looking for new tips, new tricks, new ideas to become a better writer a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at a time until you look back and you go, wow, I've, I've really progressed in the last year, or the last couple of years. This is what I want for you. This is what I hope that you're getting out of the things that I do. And I'm super excited for you. And Tom has actually been great at helping to be part of that kind of mission that I have. So listen to him. Uh, Look for the tidbits that you can use in the things that, um, that he's talking about that he does or the advice that he's given to authors that he's mentored in the past. And also, he has a brand new book out called Collision of Lies. So look for that at the bookstore as well. It's um, really, I, I really liked 
constantly, every chapter going, I got to read one more chapter because I still don't know what's going on and I want to know who did it and why. So if you like books like that, Collision of Lies, that's Tom's new book. All right. Have a great week. We will talk to you later. Here's Tom. Today's guest is Tom Threadgill. Tom was born and raised in Memphis back when the muddy Mississippi was less riverish and more streamish. His childhood was unremarkable, unless you count the concussion. Oh, and the time he nearly got arrested. And the time his dad made him smoke a cigar so he wouldn't try cigarettes. After giving up on a calling as a professional pong player, Tom married his high school sweetheart and moved off to Nashville. These days, he spends his time piddling in the yard and writing novels. His hobbies include working jigsaw puzzles, trying out dad jokes on his grown kids, woodworking, and using leftover potted meat cans from Y2K for target practice. Tom is a full-time author and a member of American Christian Fiction Writers. He is currently on the Suspense Thriller Publishing Board for Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas and lives with his wife outside Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here, especially because we're such a long distance away, and that makes me constantly interrupt writing uh, pe- people's writing schedules at the very beginning of their day. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Anything's better than writing, right? So, <laughs> so you're in the middle of the book is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I am actually the sequel to what we're going to talk about. Three quarters done or so. Yeah. Which is pretty good because the deadline was only three days ago. So. Oh, nice! Oh, yeah. Just the right amount uh, of late. That's right. <laughs> well, listen. Um, let's talk about that first before we get into all the you know amazing, wonderful writer things that I tend to talk about with writers on the show. <laughs> Very first thing, congratulations! Your brand new book, Collision of Lies, came out today for you, two days ago for our listeners. It did, and uh, it's like anyone who's ever published a book knows or been involved in the process. It's a long journey to get there, and so it kind of, in a way, it's been forever, and it also kind of snuck up on me, so uh, I'm just glad it's finally out there for people to read. Excellent. Do you have secret plans to drive to a bookstore later today so you can go, there's my book? (laughs) Uh, I I can't really get into that, but yeah, I probably will. So, yeah, I guess there would yeah. be secret plans if we talked about it here on the show. Yeah, that's right. Just watch watch Facebook for pictures of me, you know, pointing at it in the bookstore and stuff. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, you know, everybody loves to hear you know the stories of the first call, the first contract. This is actually your fourth book, first right. in the new series, but um. If it's not too much to ask, like, what's today like? Does it feel euphoric or is it, is it at all climatic or anticlimactic? You know, it's, it's I, it, in a way, all the people around me who have been involved seem more excited about it than I am. Um, and I think a lot of that is my personality. Uh, I'm just not a big rah-rah type person. Um, but it's, uh, uh, writers know, the, main, the big thing you want is, you know, Sure, the big paycheck, but you also just want the book out there. You want you put so much work into it. You want people to read it. Um, so that's what I'm most excited about is is finally I can talk to people and not have to worry about spoilers and that kind of stuff. So I I, I guess to answer your question, I'm excited that it's out there, mostly because I can move on to talking about other things to some extent. So that's a good point. I mean, there's probably a certain amount of the things that you couldn't even talk about because right. no one had read the book yet. Right. Just by now you've right. got, you know, quite a few fans who bought it on the first day. Right. Already read right. It now. Right. As well as, you know, the launch team and, you know, and there's been a, a solid two months building up to this where all we've done is focus on collision allies on the book. So I, I'm glad to be able to put a lot of that behind me and move forward. So Nice. Well, listen, let's just back up a little bit. Um, I saw the words police procedural on your website Mm -hmm. and suspense on your website. So let's just go back to wherever you feel like starting. Um, We could talk about Pong, though we would probably have to explain it uh, to some of our listeners. (laughs) Though I have to say, as a little tangent, um, I just uh, finished working a contract at a video game company where my husband works here in Sweden. Uh, Yeah. I did not know that. 
Yes. Well, we could talk about it more later. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so since I was working in the video game company, like every day there is a thousand things coming at me that I'd heard a little bit about, but didn't know that much about, including like the massive degree to which there are these huge tournaments for video games and the number of people who watch them live online. And I'm thinking, can you imagine a Pong tournament? Well, <laughs> one, one, I, I believe I would win. But, uh, uh, tell you, you know, it's interesting because the sequel that we're not going to talk a lot about actually has some video game involvement in it. So, Ooh. yeah. So. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to know more about it whenever we can know more about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so back to you. I mean, really the show is about you, not about, you know, a thousand other things that um, are in your bio that I want to say, Oh, Stanley cup. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, go Preds. <laughs> go Red Wings. Our, our arch rivals. Well, they used to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. The Red Wings are just taking a break. They wanted, you know, a few other people to have a chance. Yeah, well, the Preds are taking a break this year, too, I think. so. <laughs> okay, so once again, back to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, like, when did you start? Have you always been writing? Did you pick it up one day and go, I, I should try this? And then how did you get into or why? Um, however you want to describe your journey. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not always want to be a writer. Um, I was an English major in college. Um, didn't graduate, but I have always liked books and that kind of stuff, but never really thought about writing. And then, uh, X amount of years ago was my wife and I's 30th anniversary. And I thought, you know, I ought to just put a little something together. I, I could write a little something and, uh, uh, it was appropriately awful. And, uh, so, uh, I started thinking that, well, this really, you know, is more than just sitting down and writing. And so, you know, several conferences and a lot of reading other authors and going into that and then going through and through the process, uh, it became something that I have, I guess, a love-hate relationship with. Um, I like to write the end more than anything. I like, But uh, it, it's, it's turned out to be something more than I ever thought it would be. Um, so I... I'm thrilled to write, but like I said, the best part to me is like today when the books go out there and other people can say, you know, either A, I love your writing or B, you're a hack. Either way, at least you've, at least you've read it. And I always say there's that scene in uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie where the guy tells Johnny Depp that, oh, you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of. And he says, but you have heard of me. And that's, that's why I am with my writing. So um, that's where we go. So, you know, it wasn't, I, I didn't grow up wanting to write, but I kind of evolved into it. Nice. And then is police procedurals and suspense your, um, your books of choice for reading or how did you? Uh, it is, it is, uh, although right now I'm on kind of a, a nonfiction kick reading a lot of biographies and uh, I've a World War II buff so reading a lot of that but it's just something that naturally um came to me as i can't imagine writing um anything beside that i don't know if i would know how to um so that's i, I like it because it requires me to do research it requires me to learn things i didn't know um and that's what we used to watch a lot of that on tv not so much anymore um but that's uh, other than the true crime stuff um, so that's why, that's why I write it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I have to say that, um, I, I finished Collision of Lies last night, I think. And, um, <laughs> even though there's a lot of other things that I also really need to be doing for work, <laughs> but I was like, dang it, I need to find out who did this and why. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have a lot of uh, more work that I have to do uh, when we're done here because I was <laughs> reading yesterday. <laughs> oh, good. The, um, well, you know, and that's the, somebody asked the other day, how do you know when a book is done? And I'm actually on another website where we're talking about that with collision of lies. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not a happily ever after kind of guy. Um, and so, although 
there may very well be a happily ever after ending in this book. Um, but it's just one of those, I, I'm a pantser versus a plotter. And I don't know if that's a term your, your listeners yeah. are familiar with. Probably. So a lot of times I'm not sure how the book is going to end either. And that's what keeps me up is trying to figure out, you know, I'll write myself into a corner and say, how do we get out of this one type thing? So that's what I, this was without a doubt my favorite book to write. Um, because I got to develop new characters that I thought were strong, uh, especially um, Amara, the lead protagonist, had to be a female character, love strong female characters. And so uh, it was a fun book for me to write, but um, it left, you know, I guess it left a few things open for you to debate what happened and what didn't happen. And so I'm addressing those in the sequel as well, to a certain extent. Gotta leave them guessing. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's another thing that I noticed. Um, it looked like for your first series and for this one, um, you're a writer who likes to take a single protagonist and um, carry them through a series. Uh, well, there will definitely be a book two in this series because it's under contract. Um, and like I said, it should have been finished three days ago. Um, <laughs> But I'm waiting for the characters to tell me what to do next, really. That's what I told the publisher. They didn't accept that. Um, but the, uh, So I, I do, um, primarily because there's usually, the way I write, there's usually more than one book in the character. And if I've gotten to know this character, I don't want to push them off to the side and say, okay, let's go invent new characters now. Although, obviously, each book will have different characters. I like to follow that one through. And so in the first uh, set of three books, the Jeremy Winter series, I think I'm done with that series. I mean, it kind of closed, but I'm not sure. There may be a point where I go back because there's been so much positive feedback, so much, uh, so many people asking for more that you know, I might go back to that one day. So Because I'm kind of interested in what happens to Jeremy too, but, yeah. you know, Amar has kind of pushed him to the side, so... Interesting. Yeah, I have to say that um, books and movies and stuff that are following one character. I mean, I own every single Bourne movie. I tried reading one of the books. I can't remember which one. And I don't know. Um, sometimes I'm like, this is a boy's book. This is a girl's book. And sometimes the boy's books, I'm like, eh, yeah, too yeah. boys-ish for me. But right. I love the movies. And I like, I don't even care that, um, what was it, the fifth? movie was about Jeremy Riven. Right. Jeremy yeah. Jeremy Riven, Renner. Jeremy. When Jeremy Renner was Renner. the character. Like, yeah. Riven, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't even care that it was about a different character because they were talking about born also. And right. I was just like, yes, I'm into this. <laughs> <laughs> so, See, yeah. and I feel the same. I, I love the born movies too, although I haven't read any of the books and uh, I like, uh, really like the John Wick series too, because I think, the character is a little bit flat and one-dimensional, and that's okay for what it is, an action character. But the whole uh, culture that is built around that character, I just think is very interesting. And I believe they're making a TV series out of that. Not out of him, but out of the, uh, I think, the hotel that he goes to, um, out of that. So there'd be different characters. So I, I, I like that, too, that kind of stuff as well. So. I got to tell my husband because he loves that series. <laughs> oh, yeah. John Wick. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, writing. Um, oh. Really, I'm happy for you to go off on whatever kind of tangents. Um, it, you and I were talking beforehand that you really like talking about writing as a writer. I do. So I do. Jump in wherever you feel like. People like to know things like, what's your usual day? How do you get the most done? I've been talking to, to um, the audience about how I've decided to step away from what everybody else has decided is the good practice of writing every day. And instead, mm -hmm. I'm much better as a, I'm kind of a project person. So I like to have big blocks. And so yeah. now I'm getting like all of my writing done in about one to one and a half days a week instead of trying to make it every day. Right. I'm getting so much more done and enjoying it. So right. really, any place that you want to jump in about writing, let's just talk about writing. Uh, well, you know, I've run the, the whole lineage of writing tips and writing and how to force yourself to sit down and write every day. And I think the things that work best for me are uh, the word count quota doesn't work for me. The setting a timer, whether that's, you know, 30 minutes or four hours or whatever it may be, closing down, 
email, Facebook, and everything else, and doing nothing except working on the writing is the thing that works best for me as far as actually doing it. Um, I'm not very good at following that advice, um, but that that I find leaves me a good flow and gives me the focus I need. Uh, the other thing that is far and away the best piece of advice I ever heard is stop uh, either mid sentence or in the middle of a scene or whatever, whenever you stop so that when you come back to it, you're already know you can jump right in and start going. You're not starting a new scene. You're not like, okay, what have I got to, you know, refresh my memory type thing. You can just jump right back into it. Um, the problem with all that, of course, is that life gets in the way uh, sometimes uh, or quite often. So you may not be able to do that, but I don't put a lot of pressure on myself um, to write. Um, and again, you're going to cut that before my publisher hears it, right? So <laughs> the, so the, uh, um, but I, I have to be in a spot where I enjoy the scene I'm writing. And if I'm not enjoying writing that scene, then the reader's not going to enjoy reading it. Um, so that that's that's where I do best. Uh, is sitting, knowing I'm going to have, you know, oh, I I like what I'm writing. I know where I left off yesterday. I can jump right back in um, tomorrow morning. And I'm definitely a morning writer. writer. I don't do much work in the afternoon. So, yeah, writing-wise. And I'm retired, so it's a little bit different for me. So Nice. Yeah, I'm also, I've tried a lot of different things. Unfortunately, being a morning person, I've noticed that I can't really put my entire day into the morning, like, oh, I'm a morning person. I should go to the gym in the morning, but I'm also a morning person. So I should write in the morning and I should also do this in the morning. And then I'm like, okay, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't right. done all of my right. morning things done yet. <laughs> See, I, I solved a lot of that problem by just scratching that whole gym thing. Oh. So I, know, I, I take a walk. I get up early in the morning, walk around the neighborhood for a couple of miles before every, uh, everybody else is awake. And that, you know, put on some music and then come home to a two and a half year old that's ready to get up. So, <laughs> so you're really getting up early if you're getting up before a two year old. Yeah, but I've always been an early riser. So, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the plotting versus seat of the pants writing. Do you um do you have like two or three places in the story where you're pretty sure you're going to get to this point, this point, and this will be the end, or do you kind of wake up in the morning and go, I literally no, have no idea what's going to no, happen. No, no. Uh, my books always start the same way, and that is with one idea as far as, wouldn't it be interesting if this happened? Um, Collision of Lies started uh, when I, my wife and I were at a restaurant one day. I think it was breakfast. This is one of those, you know, the story changes every time I tell it things, but it's <laughs> mostly true. Um, so, and I'm watching a woman eat her breakfast and, you know, everybody's got their cell phones or whatever. And I thought, you know, I wonder who she's talking to. And then it, that became, well, wouldn't it be interesting if she'd got a text from somebody that she thought was, was dead. And then it would have to be somebody important. And in this case, in collision of lies, it's her son. Um, and I don't write paranormal. Um, so it had to be something. So I had to take that turn it into a realistic situation. And that's all I knew when the book started. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea whether, you know, what the deal is with her son, with her family, how it's going to end. I don't know any of that when I start. Um, I let the characters tell me what's going to happen. Problem with that is it requires uh, a lot of rewrites because you end up writing yourself into a corner and then a character will tell you, no, you know, I didn't do that. And you have to go back and change that and that kind of stuff. So, but I, I tried plotting and I just, it doesn't work for me. I can't do it. So, so are you saying that you literally just had this one little idea and then you mm -hmm. went to a brand new Word document or Scrivener document and you just started typing? Mm -hmm. I write the first chapter and think, uh, oh, I like that. Now, what exactly is going on here? And that's where I have to start going back in. And, you know, that's when I'll start doing a little bit of character creation. And, um, uh, but plot wise, I, I don't know. I, you know, my whole theory is if I'm surprised by what comes next, so is the reader. Um, yeah. So I just kind of make it up as I go. 
And then, um, you know, and that does require like for the sequel, I'm going back now and saying, eh, I like this or I don't like that. So it's not like it's all a better roses doing it this way. Um, but it does work best for me, but I literally, um, you know, will just from that one incident, that's where the book came from. And, uh, I make everything up from there. I lie for a living. So, right. I love yeah. saying that it kind of some people out. Have you noticed? Yeah, but that's more and more common these days, even if you're not a writer. So that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, this is not a political show, so we won't take that any further. But <laughs> I didn't say anything about politics. So. I know that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, okay, so speaking of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> So um, now the other thing is, is that Collision of Lies is full of police officers. You've got a Texas Ranger, which I know nothing about except for things that I've read in like um, Western romances. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and then you've got FBI. And I don't think you had any Mexican police like in the scene. They were just outside of the right, room. But right. that's a lot of different agencies. So where where do you say I better stop and look up some things? And where do you just kind of like, I'm just going to write through it and then I'll go back and fix it? Or? Um, pretty early because, for instance, um, Collision Lies, like you said, has a Texas Ranger in there. And I didn't know anything about Texas Rangers either. Um, so at that point, as I'm um, developing the character, I want to make sure that I don't create something that's basic to her that could never happen with a Texas Ranger. Um, so I would do research at that point and say, okay, this will work or this won't work. Or would they really have a Texas Ranger involved in this? And, you know, what's their area and what did they cover and that kind of stuff. Um, and with the FBI, I had a lot of famili familiarity. I got to get some more copy uh, with that um, just because the Jeremy Winter series books, Jeremy Winter is an FBI agent. So I, I knew something about that. I'm still doing research. The book is based in San Antonio. Um, so, and uh, Amara is a detective in the property crimes division um, as when she stumbles upon this case. So I'm still doing some research for book two about what would be a little more realistic um, for the San Antonio Police Department. But um, honestly, a couple of places I get a lot of help from are Reddit of all places. I don't know. Um, there's a subreddit on there, ask law enforcement officers where you can ask things and, you know, they'll, a cop will give you the answer. Um, yeah, for instance, about last in the Jeremy Winter series of books, I'm like, do cops really say perp? You know, get the perp, get the perp. And to, to a person, they said, no, we don't call them perps. You know, we, we have a lot of names for them, some of which I can't use in my books because I don't use profanity in my writing. Um, but perps is not one of the terms that they would typically use. Um, and then I also learned that the, you know, the big mirror, one-way mirror stuff, completely fake. No police department has that stuff. It's all a media thing. They're like, why? We have cameras. Why would we need a big one-way mirror? You know, that doesn't make sense. So you learn things like that. And, and that's what I try to, I, I'm not big. I used to, I'll be honest, uh, one of my favorite authors has always been Tom Clancy, or was Tom Clancy, but he was way too technical in his books. And that's not, it really slows the story down, I thought. So I try not to put too much in there, but little tidbits here and there. So. Yeah. I noticed you also, uh, you're very good at banter and having some characters who with interestingly, inter interestingly weird quirks. <laughs> That's uh, the banter is pretty much me and my wife. Um, I just, every conversation is pretty much uh, the conversation. I put it in those terms. Would this be a realistic, you know, unstilted conversation that we would have? Um and it is. And then the quirky characters, uh, the medical examiner in Collision of Lies was the one that I'm like, I'm just going to find the weirdest things I can find. And this guy's going to do them. Uh, and he is, I mean, he's the guy that when, you know, if this series ever becomes anything on Netflix or a movie or something, this guy's going to have his own spinoff. 
because he's got he's just so out there he's got a little bit of monk in him he's got a little bit of house in him he's got a little bit of all these you know back to the quincy days you know if you, you kids will have to google that but you know that <laughs> so um but yeah that's the the banter the realistic dialogue i don't is one thing that i really work hard on so yeah so <clears throat> do you think that you'll probably stay in the and and i feel like I'm not sure whether or not I should say these with like a slash in between them or a comma because they're two different things, but the police procedural suspense area of writing, do you think this is the spot you're going to stay for a while or do you have some uh, other ideas too? I do. At, at some point, I am bound to determine I'm going to write a humor novel, but humor is so hard to write. Um, so I, I don't know that that'll ever realistically happen. It'll be the story. My autobiography will probably be my humor novel. Um, but uh, but police procedurals, I, I think so, because I, I've already got just a list of things that I'm like, oh, I could build a story around that. I have no idea why that happened. But and it's not usually something that I'll see, you know, in a news report. It's just I'll drive by something and say, well, that'd be a really weird place to find a body, wouldn't it? And and you know, it goes from there. So yeah, yeah. I will. I will mention just in case you haven't done this yet that maybe you might not want to. I was on an anniversary trip with my husband when we lived in Wellington, New Zealand, where he was working on a film. Um, we uh, just took a weekend and went mm -hmm. up to this beautiful lake area, and there was um, uh, what do you call it? Hot, um, hot air coming up out of the earth. It's uh, uh, like yeah, hot springs or a geyser type thing, or just a, yeah. yeah. So we were walking around all this area, and like there's there's literally boiling water and boiling mm -hmm. mud like mm -hmm. to either side of the path. I'm like, this is crazy. And at one point, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be a great place to throw a body. Yeah. And John's just looking at me like, are you trying to tell me something? I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just thinking about from a writing perspective. He's like it's our anniversary. Maybe you would want to talk about that on another time. Yeah. But it's not something you can turn off. It's it something it isn't, you know, Stephen King has a quote and I don't read much Stephen King haven't in years. And I'm going to paraphrase this, but it's basically as a writer, our job is not to create ideas or come up with ideas. It's to just open your eyes to what's around you there. You know, the ideas are already there. You just got to, find, you know, know them and go with them. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a, a book that I've been sort of kind of working on really on and off um, since grad school. I was writing this, this bit for my uh, master's degree and, um, and there was a whole bunch of things that I really liked about it, but it was kind of going off in two different genre directions and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do about that. And anyway, got involved in other <laughs> things, but um there was one point when I was thinking about it so much, like every day, and I was thinking, I think I'm going to go back and work on this again. And, and it was like during a period of four or five months where I was like, thank you, real people in the news. Like, I don't even have to come up with anything weird. and I can just pull it right out of the news. Yes. Yeah. You know, my favorite quote about writing is from Tom Clancy. Imagine that is, and it is that the difference between fiction and reality is that fiction has to make sense or because you know a reader will be in a book and say oh that could never happen regardless of whether or not it actually did happen so i i 100 believe that that's my favorite quote so nice i like it <laughs> all right so um i want to ask you about other writerly things um <laughs> Let's see, what are, so one of the things that you do is you mentor writers. So tell us a little bit about that. How does that I, I do. I, um, I, I love looking at other people's writing who are getting, who are either new or have been around and saying, you know, I don't know why this is going um, the way it's going. Um, but I just like to take it and say, I, and all I do is ask questions, you know, like, why is this character doing this? You know, convince me of that. You can get into the show and tell and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's much more um, uh, of a base level. Those are all things you can learn. Um, the main thing is sitting there and going, uh, what? I understand that this guy is your killer. 
but why is he doing it? Well, he's just a bad guy. Well, that's not going to cut it. You know, there are lots of bad guys in there. You know, you've got to get more specific. You've got to get down to that level. And even if it doesn't ever make it into a book, you know it. Um, and that's the way I am with a lot of my characters. I know, I know them. I know what they would and wouldn't do. You know, in a lot of cases, I know the exact house they live in because I've been on Google Maps and picked it out. Um, but I don't, you know, and I think other writers, once you get that idea in your head that you can drill down to that level, um, it changes everything. And you you have to know them just like I'm talking to you now. They have to be able to picture in their head that they're talking to one of their characters. And that's where I see the biggest, the biggest problem is it's too, the writing is formal, a little stilted, um, and the characters are too flat. So I, that's why I like to mentor. I like to see people and then I'm like, okay, rewrite it. Let's take another look at it. And then we'll drill down further. And once they can get usually just one chapter, the rest just comes. You know, once they fit, once that light bulb goes off, the rest just comes to them. So I love doing yeah. that. Oh, nice. Now there's probably some people listening who feel like or have been told by people reading, yeah, it's, it's a little formal. It doesn't make mm -hmm. me feel like I'm really reading a novel. What are some of the um, exercises or advice that you give to people to help them to break out of that? Uh, I can tell you um, this little tidbit about myself. When I was in high school, which was, you know, gosh, that was almost 10 years ago now. The, uh, my, really, you laughed a little too sorry, hard I'm at that sorry. kitty. Uh, that was, uh, so my AP English teacher told me, you know, handed me back a paper and said, you know, your writing is perfect. Um, it's, it's, you know, your punctuation, you know, blah, 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 A plus. She said, it's also very boring. And then the guy next to me, she's like, I like reading his stuff. And he made a C on his paper. And I'm like, well, I'll take the A and boring over the C and, you know, whatever. So, but she was right. And the, the, you know, I don't use full sentences constantly. I don't, um, I, I don't, you know, like when talking to a character, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use your name in every other paragraph and I wouldn't, you know, the stuff that it just has to come across with a much better flow and people don't talk in whole sentences usually. Um, so when I write in quote, deeper point of view, whatever that becomes, you know, this week, um, I like to keep, uh, sentences shorter. I like to, you know, if my character's in a room and she's like, you know, looking at uh, a black sofa and saying, oh, that's a brand new leather black sofa. How does he afford that? You know, it's just simply going to be, you know, something like oh, new sofa must be nice. You know, and that's all the reader's going to read. So that's, I just think it makes it easier. And in today's world, it's much more uh, what people want to see. Um, I try to keep chapters short for the same reason. Um, so that people can stop at the end of a chapter, although hopefully they won't want to, and pick it up, you know, right away if they're sitting in the drive through line and they can pick something up, you know, whatever it might be. So. Nice. Yeah. I have to say that the, um, the short chapters really work well to keep, um, keep the pace faster yes. if yes. you're writing that kind of a novel. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that's the other thing. There, you learn a lot of things when you write these about... Uh, the more tension in a scene, the, the shorter the sentences need to be and the, the quicker the reactions from the characters. But then you need to pace it so that when something is happening and you're getting that emotional you know, response from a character about something, you're going to go a little bit longer. You're going to dig. And it's that's the whole thing. The story should be a roller coaster ride. And, you know, you're turning the page that. And I, I'm a huge believer that every chapter needs to end on some sort of a cliffhanger. Um, the chapter, something has to happen in every chapter that moves the story forward. And if it doesn't, it's got to go. And the chapter needs to end with the reader. Like it's one thirty in the morning. He writes short chapters. I can do one more and go with that. So yeah. I have to say that is my favorite kind of book. Um, and, and I like to write that way too, but yeah. it's so fun when you're like, no, just one more chapter. And then um, at some point, I'll think that this is what happens to me. I think it actually happened um, because I was trying to uh, finish your book before the interview. So I'm pretty sure it happened to me a couple of nights ago. Um, I'm reading short chapters. I want to know what happens next. 
okay, just one more chapter and then I'll go to sleep. You know, it's really not that late. And then um, I'm reading it. And then like the story is still progressing in my mind, though it's gone off in a slightly different direction. And then I wake up when my Kindle hits me on, my, on the note. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I, oh, I actually uh, can't do any more physically. <laughs> so what you're saying is my book puts you to sleep? Is that what I'm hearing? No, your book like, <laughs> no, brought me I, into I, my own little I, dream world version yeah, of what was happening. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, but no, my Kindle woke me up. <laughs> yeah. Or no, yeah. I've been hit before. Yeah, are you, you a bit, I'll ask you a question. Kindle or paperback, which is your preference? Uh, see, the thing about the Kindle is, is that I can read at night without keeping my husband up. So that is the big, the big thing with the, the Kindle. You need to change your priorities. So if yeah, you <laughs> I like this guy who Tim. sleeps next to me, though. Well, okay. Right, then okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I used to, I would have answered that, oh, Kindle 100%, but I am really much more back into paperbacks now. And uh, I, it's just something that a Kindle can't do as far as, you know, holding a paperback book. And so. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I was just going to say about the holding, though. So um, I have just such a huge pile of books that, like, I really want to read this book. But now I'm mm. having to go through... I've moved so many times and I've bought books yeah. in every country I've been in, even knowing I was going to have to pay to move them again. Yeah. But so there's so many books that are definitely interesting enough that I want to read them. But now I keep having to look at like, based on my age and the projected length of life, if I take really good care of myself, do I actually have enough time to read all the books that I haven't? Yeah. Yeah, but they look they look so much better behind you than just a Kindle on the wall or something. So yes. that's the thing. Because even on a Kindle, you know, everybody gets their free book and they end up with three thousand books. Yeah. And you know, how do you go through that and decide? I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, I you sort by. I think you start by sorting by my name, Fred Kindle, <laughs> right. and starting there. And Definitely. Uh, so. Definitely. So the spelling again is. Um, T-H-R-E-A-D-G-I-L-L, -L, just like it sounds, first name Tom. All right, we're going to start there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, one of the things that bugs me about my Kindle is that I can't sort the books into groups and have them stay there. Really? They, they will sort into these categories, but then they're also all, like all 3,000 of them are still listed on the homepage. And I'm just like, okay, I can't see 3,000 titles. Like, my mind can't process it. Uh, I'll talk to Jeff Bezos later and see if I can get that fixed. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, but the only thing that can be a problem with the paperback, um, hardcovers, very heavy, and definitely yeah, feel yeah. even worse than a Kindle when they fall on your face at night. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that is true. And uh, for the last two years, I've been waiting for me to have like a whole week of nothing going on. So obviously, I'm going to have to dump this plan. I started an 800-page book three of a Robin Hobb series. That book wow. is ginormous. I have to hold it with two hands. Oh, so there's, no. Yeah, there's a certain amount of, I just needed to go to the gym and get strong enough to hold this well, book for a long time. I, I tell my wife I'm at the age now where I buy laundry detergent not based on cost but on size of the container the smaller ones work better for me now than the great big giant ones so a big book like that is never going to happen at my house that would have to go on Kindle so. <laughs> right yeah which yeah I don't know I love them both I love them all I mean <laughs> this is just you can't even see the books that are still on the floor because I can't figure out where in my limited um, space I know right <laughs> I love, love, love books. I love reading. I love stories. I, I heard so many writers talk about, yeah, you know, we, we don't have a TV or we don't, I hardly ever yeah. watch Netflix. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I will take a story anywhere it comes. If somebody at church is telling me a story about something, I'll be like, right. okay, I'm going to have to catch the next bus because I need to. Know yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't really care where the stories are, are coming from. Mm. So, uh, is there any other kind of advice stuff that you kind of have on your mind that you love to share or problems that you've noticed come up a lot or? I, I think for me, once you have the, the initial idea of what kind of this book is going to be, you know, it's all about the characters. Um, if you don't have characters, 
every character has to have something likable, likable about them, you know, whether it's your serial killer or whatever it may be. Yes, I believe there are people that are 100% evil out there, but nobody wants to read about that guy. Um, so you need something that at least makes them, you know, oh, I can kind of see why he's doing it. Don't agree with it, but I can kind of see. So start with the characters. Think of things or reach out on things that are so far beyond uh, what you would normally write that you have to do a little research um, as far as the character goes. Like, why is her background this or why does this? I, I don't subscribe to the school of thought that's kind of floating around now that, you know, you can't realistically write that character because you don't know what that character, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that's what we do. You know, if you don't like what I've written, that's fine. But you yeah. can't tell us what, you know, we can and we can't write or show on the screen or whatever that may be. So, you know, stretch yourself and learn to learn to, you know, like my medical examiner was basically a, a Google search for, I don't know, some of the weirdest life pro tips you can find that are kind of really out there somewhere. Um, you know, how do you eat Cheetos? You know, and this guy's like eating them with the chopsticks because he doesn't want to get his fingers dirty and that kind of stuff. So you, I think if the character becomes interesting to you then it's interesting to the reader and they'll follow that character all the way through even an average plot. So if you can give them a really good plot, then you've got, you know, you got one shot at the reader. And if you get them hooked on that first book, you know, then, you know, and if you're in this industry uh, to ever make a nickel in it, it's not going to be on that first book unless you hit a 50 shades of gray type of, you know, and whatever that is. And then uh, so you, you got to be in it for the long haul. So develop your characters. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um. Oh, I just had a question and I'm listening to you and then I forgot my question. Rewriting. You were talking about rewriting. So, so for instance, um, when you come up with, maybe not this specific thing, but when you came up with the idea of you heard about, read something weird about somebody who eats Cheetos with chopsticks and you're like, oh, I'm going to have my medical examiner do that because he's, he's my particularly yeah. quirky character. Yeah. How, much, how much of these changes are you seeing going into the post-first draft? Or how much of it most of that stuff I'll catch on the first draft. Um, this, uh, the post first draft is much more, uh, and actually I enjoyed that process much more than the first draft, is much more, ah, this, I, this just doesn't work. And, uh, you know, I've tried to force something or it's, you know, I'm in love with this chapter, but never mind that it doesn't work. So I, you know, I, can, e I can either keep this chapter and rewrite the whole book or I can get rid of this chapter. So, um, so after the first draft, which I'm kind of doing on the sequel a little bit now, it's much more about fine tuning the plot. Because like I said, I don't really know what's going to happen and things may have happened later in the book that now no longer work quite as well at the beginning. So I'll have to alter those a little bit, that kind of stuff. But by the time I did, you know, the first run through on the book, my characters are pretty much set in stone. Although there have been times when I think the last Jeremy Winter book I wrote, finished the book, got actually sent it off to the publisher and, you know, they read it and were like, something doesn't seem right. And I realized, yeah, the wrong character is the killer. And uh, so I had to go back and make some changes to that book, which surprised me. And if I'd been listening to the characters, I'd have known that as I went through the book. So um, it's got a little bit of a surprise ending. So that's the kind of stuff that I'd catch up with. So Okay. And so when you're uh, making suggestions to other writers, um, I assume that uh, you're probably asking them first, you know, what kind of writer are you? Mm -hmm. Seat of the pants, totally plotter or somewhere in the middle. Right. And then you right. help them with, with advice based on how their brain normally works. Right. And I, I do, um, I've worked, actually most of the people I think I've worked with are plotters, not necessarily pantsers. Um, but it doesn't really matter. You do whatever works for you. And, you know, at some point there's probably some mix between the two. But it's all about, like I said, it's about the characters. Um, you can plot all you want and you can have the best plot in the world. 
world, but if your characters don't ring true to the reader, you don't have a book that people are going to read. You know, they're going to look at it and say, well, one, they're probably not going to finish it. Uh, and two, if they do, they're going to say, eh, it was okay, but something eh, could have been better, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Now, do you keep in your mind sort of the idea of your target reader, the kind of person who reads a police procedural or a suspense is probably, you know, looking for this sort of thing, uh, wants this kind of a feel, wants this kind of a pace, and, and I'm going to keep this reader in mind, so I'm giving them what they're looking for. Or are you thinking, this is what I like, and therefore that's how I'm going to write it? Uh, my official publisher answer is it's all about the reader. Right, my right, answer right. is it's all about the writer. So the uh, I, I write what I would like to read, um, and I write it in a way that I would like to read it. I, I think when you start, yes, you need to know who your audience is. My target audience is basically uh, any adult that likes to read. My books can be read by kids because I don't have uh, profanity or sexual situations in them. But, you know, I write about serial killers and stuff. So there is going to be a little bit of gore possibly or suspense, although collision of lies doesn't really have any of that. It's much more of a mystery than the last, uh, than the last series I wrote. So I write what I would like to read. And I believe there's an audience out there for that. And it's hard, you know, overwhelmingly readers are, are women, females. Um, but I like to write books that I think guys would like to read too. Um, so, you know, that's where I go. I, the reader is in mind, but only from a perspective of, you know, oh, nobody's going to believe that, or that just doesn't sound realistic perspective. Not so much that, you know, oh, I know this little niche genre over here. And, and that's the thing, I guess if I wrote in a niche genre, that would be totally different, but mine's a pretty broad market. So. Yeah. Now in case listeners are, are thinking, well, I, I like the way this guy thinks, and I write similar sorts of things. Are you actively mentoring writers right now? Is it a case-by-case uh, case basis? It's or? kind of a case-by-case case basis. Uh, I just, I think, finished mentoring one, uh, and that went um, pretty well. Um, and it's, you know, th- this is kind of a, at some point I may, but I don't charge for that. I just hear from people that say, and it, you know, because there's so many people out there that want to, oh, writing is easy. Um, and that's really not the person I'm looking for. It's the person that writing is hard. And what can I do to improve uh, what I write and to make it better? So uh, I don't know, maybe at some point uh, I'll reach out for a new mentee. Is that the right word, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and see, uh, see where that goes. Because like I said, it, it is it is good. Uh, and it's, it's something I really enjoy doing. So right now I would say I'm between them, I think, because I just got an email yesterday saying from her agent saying, love it. Looks great. So Aww, we'll see. What a nice compliment to both we'll of see. you. We'll see. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's mostly to me, but you know, you can, oh, right, you can, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, you could take it out. No, because I still am the same thing. Look, Bottom line is it's it's your book. It's not mine. My name's not going to be on it anywhere. So write what you want to write in a way that you want to write it. Everything I say is nothing more than my opinion. Um, so do what works for you. And I, I think that that actually is another piece of good advice. Um, I feel like if each writer could get their own individual way of seeing the world mm-hmm. on the page, then each person would have a much greater sense um, possibility of success because they're, they're not accidentally or on purpose trying to be like someone else who's successful or gave them advice or whatever. Well, and that, that first attempt at a book way back when, um, which hopefully all copies of have been destroyed and the records gone. And, (laughs) you know, if it shows up somewhere, I, I don't, Hopefully I'm in the ground before it does. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, you can look at it and you can see, you know, how pretentious it sounds and how, you know, when, when your wife's reading it and she says, well, I kind of like, you know, this sentence right here is pretty good. You know, and you're like, you're like, well, you're 40 pages into it, you know, and you're like, this is your wife, you know, and you're like, so then that's when you start to realize, okay, this is a little harder than I thought it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, I think that's probably another great piece of advice. 
if you're if you're kind of still new to it like just relax about the fact that it's hard because everything is hard when you first do it I mean, absolutely just start going back to the gym again um doing strength training not just running mm. on the treadmill and and pretending that i had some idea of what to do with all the other equipment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i actually have a friend who's a personal trainer who said do this this and this and do it this many times with this weight and i'm like oh okay it's a recipe right. i can follow a recipe. right 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 the first day i was like i can't believe i promised him i would do what he says this is terrible. I hate it. <laughs> but I think that everything in life is like that. And when we can just relax a little bit about the things that we're not good at and just remember practically everything takes practice. There aren't right. that many prodigies and they're not a prodigy at everything. Like maybe somebody's a music right. prodigy or a math right. prodigy. Right. They're not a prodigy at everything. So honestly, there's just a lot less pressure that we can just let go of. That's exactly right. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you say that about the gym, and I'm thinking there's all kinds of weird equipment in there and stuff, and what a great place to kill somebody. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I'm like, well, that would be awesome because, you know, they all look like torture devices anyway. So you can, <laughs> so. Okay, now you got me thinking. I, I, I know. I'm doing it in my head right now. I'm not really focused on you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'm used to that. So. <laughs> so you have several women in your life then. <laughs> no, honey. No, I didn't mean so, to yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No. So. <laughs> no, no. Of course I meant people. I'm going to stop and go in another direction. Okay. I don't know how to get out of that one. Okay. <laughs> That's part of the rewrite stage. <laughs> That's right. This will never see YouTube. So. Never. No. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Mrs. Tom. I didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> She's used to that too. So. <laughs> oh, you know what? One last question before we go. Um, cause I'm looking at the time thinking, yeah, unfortunately it's time for me to stop talking about writing with another writer, <laughs> but so tell us about how does it work with your wife? You're, um, retired or semi-retired, but you've got another career. So I'm not sure if you can call yourself retired, That's true. but so you've got, you've got people in the house with you. How do you make this work? Well, she's not retired, but she does work from home. So, uh, we just recently moved and for the first time, our office are in the same room um, and will probably stay that way. Um, you know, we've been married for a long, long time and I would tell you the exact number of years if I knew it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, uh, a long time and 37. thank you, babe. 37 years. Hi, Mr. Tom. 37 years we've been married. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, six happy years. So the uh, she got married when you were fourteen. Then is what you're saying. We were in Tennessee at the time, so it was legal. Right. Um, so the uh, <laughs> my husband keeps telling everybody we were married when we were twelve. Every time the number because oh yeah anniversary is coming yeah. in May yeah yes, but, but she works from home too, and it's it's a non-issue. You know we we do what we do and wouldn't have it any other way. It works fine with us. So. Nice. She's she's much more patient than I am, and I I love her dearly. So, yeah, she's in there gagging right now. So the so. <laughs> well for everyone else who's listening, um, I apologize. A whole bunch of people who liked you up until now hate you because now you've sa said that it's easy to work at home with your with your spouse at home also. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said, she's much better at working. If I had a real job, I could never work from home. I don't have the discipline for that, uh, which is why I missed my deadline on my writing, I guess. Um, but she does. She does a good job at it. So. Nice. Tom, this has been great fun talking to you. I've enjoyed it. I'm glad. It would be, it would be sad if you were like, please, can we end now? <laughs> can we? Actually, we can. I, I I need to clarify some of those comments about the other women with my wife. So it's going to be, I've got to go buy some flowers and, you know, some. Well, and also you might consider if your editor is a woman buying her some flowers because we have been talking about, you know, you not working and having a deadline. Uh, my editor is a woman, as is my agent. Uh, so, yes, probably, you know, it was, I don't know which author said it and probably a bunch of them said 
You know, I love deadlines, the sound of the whooshing sound as they go past. So that's pretty much where I am. I hear you. Yes, I've heard that sound. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Collision of Lies, brand new, hot off the press right this minute. Yay! Yay. Book one of a new series. Tell us, uh, book two, do you know when it's coming out? Uh, It is in the spring 2021 catalog. Uh, from also from Baker Publishing, which you can go to their website and get a Collision of Lies, or you can go anywhere books are sold and get Collision of, uh, of Lies. Um, but it is on track, kind of, for uh, it, it has to be done because they've already started printing. You know, everything's a year in advance in publishing. So um, it will be out in spring 2021. Um, you can also go to my website, the appropriately named tomthreadgill.com, um, for more information on that, and I'll have stuff about the sequel pretty pretty soon, or you can sign up for a newsletter and all the usual author stuff there too. But. Excellent, excellent. Are you a social media guy, or people just pretty much go to your website to find out what's up? I, I, yes, I am on social media. All right. I don't. <laughs> I am not a social media guy, but I am on social media. I so, have accounts. <laughs> I have accounts. I have Facebook followers. Yeah. Well done. I think that I think I paid almost five dollars and got like no. Wow. You know, nice. no. <laughs> no. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great fun and honestly, so many like great nuggets and tips and bits of encouragement for listeners, which right. is what I always want to do in a show is make sure. you look great, which Thanks. honestly, I think you look really great right now if you're watching on YouTube. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thank you. You know, and I always like to leave nuggets everywhere I go. So I appreciate that. So, <laughs> Well done. Well, so long as the nuggets are, um, you know, not from like rabbits or something like that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why you have to go there, but okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I, nice girl yeah, that. that's, that's exactly what I meant. I was just going to let you go there and not me. So. <laughs> right. Because my whole point is to make you look good, even if it right. makes me look bad. Right. So you've got a tough job I'm sorry. trying to make me look good. So. <laughs> well, thanks again for being on the show. Congratulations again on the, the brand new book coming out today. Thanks, Kitty. <laughs>